Welcome back, new you maniacs, with my weird emphasis title uh, to the spinner rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast, the voice of the new universe. At least until someone challenges us for the title, they will lose. Uh, we are your hosts today. Steven with Justice number 14 and... Andy with a much better comic, DP7 number 14. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Starting that's the also day what I, strong. That's also what I said when I read Justice number 14. Ouch. Sometimes the worst comics are still fun to talk about. So let's hope that's the case here. <laughs> um, but yeah, so talking about the new universe. The new universe launched in 1986 as an imprint from Marvel Comics that was dedicated to a more grounded, less fantastic approach to comics and world building. The idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress and more realistic technology, physics, and biology, and eight new comic series launched in one month set in our world in 1986. And at this point, uh, the comics Spitfire and the Troubleshooters, Kickers, Inc., Mark Hazard, Merck, and Nightmask have been canceled. No more issues to talk about there, uh, but four new universe titles are continuing. Uh, with season three of the podcast, we start the second year of the new universe, 1987. And in the stories so far, the world at large still doesn't talk about paranormals, although the CIA has shown up a lot in the comics. Not here to raid us, but in the comics, lots of CIA. <laughs> um, and so Would explain a lot of our downloads, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I passed an FBI background check a couple years ago, and that was my... Well, la di da. I fooled them. Um, but yeah, so so with this podcast, you can follow along each week until the CIA shuts us down as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack, or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite. Uh, more and more stuff being added to kickersinc.com, our website. Uh, including our season three trivia challenge. We had a winner for season two. I sent yeah. him things. They got the things. I think Freaked he was out. bragging about it online, if I saw that correctly. He was. He was. <laughs> Which is great. So we'll have even more stuff for our season three. Lots of fun questions about season two. Uh, so if you're a listener, you can probably answer them. If not, look them up. Um you can find us and maybe even secret answers to our trivia contest on Twitter at, at Kickers Inc. Uh, just put pressure on you to add some things to it then. Um, and you can always email us at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. If you're uh, completely stuck and need a clue, yeah, sure. We would totally give clues because we'd be like, hey, someone sent us an email that wasn't trying to sell <laughs> us something. <laughs> uh, and then. And yes, Oh, good. I was gonna say, and yes, the uh, the winner, the lucky winner, was bragging about it on the Marvel Comics New Universe Facebook fan page. That's true. Friends of which are not ours, but they're good friends of the podcast. I think we'll get, we're gonna take it over sooner or later. Just like mutiny, run the show. <laughs> Probably not. From now on, we're going to do things my way. First <laughs> off, no more Strike Force Moratory. No, I'm just kidding, Josh. Don't worry about it. We're, we're cool. Second off, everyone gets banned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this week, I'll be covering Justice. 
Tenson is a fish out of water, possibly an exiled alien policeman, possibly just a crazy person. One of those is looking a lot more likely in today's <laughs> episode. Fighting drug-dealing street punks and dark wizards from his home dimension, he wields the sword and shield of justice as he brings his black-and-white fight against evil to our morally gray world. This week, justice number 14, the venom from a poisonous snake bite would kill us, but what would it do to the alien justice? Written by Sandy Plunkett. I'm just going to go on record again as the worst solicitation of the new universe so far, including the ones that were not right. I, I would have bet nothing that that was correct, and yet... Where we are. We got snake. There's going to be a snake bite. Spoilers. (laughs) And this week, I'll be covering DP7. Uh, In the wake of the white event, seven random people began to display paranormal powers. Uh, Desperate for help, they came to, then ran away from the clinic, which hunted them in a bid to control them. Uh, Now the clinic is theirs, but how will all the paranormals get along? Randy, Dave, Stephanie, Charlie, Jeff. Scuzz and Lenore. Seven displaced paranormals. DP7. Good old fossil. <laughs> Ouch. Um, better than Vibe and Lube or whatever the other suggested names were. Uh, <laughs> you know, I still find myself only like writing notes about the characters' names, not using their code names at all. Yeah, well, they don't use them in the books, really. So we get a, a touch more code names uh, in this issue. Uh, because in this issue, Charlie quits the DP7. <sighs> what will the consequences for the group and the number be when she joins the all-black group of paranormals, the Black Click? Will Charlie be able to resist the Black Click's demands that she get revenge on her friends? Clicks. It's written by Mark Gruenwald, penciled by Paul Ryan, and inked by Al Williamson. And doesn't in, does in fact not use the word, the term click that much, which was nice. Um, but yeah, so at the end, uh, with what time we've got, there's a new universe news and actually a DP7 letters page that's dropping some hints of what's going to be coming up next, both immediately and, you know, a little ways down the line, so... Nice. Okay, everyone, strap in. We've got a got a justice to get through that. Uh, it's full um, of power and glory, so just it's... get ready. Ah! <laughs> justice number fourteen. It's cover dated December nineteen eighty seven, and we believe hit the stands September eighth, nineteen eighty seven. And uh, we'd said before, like um, DP seven and Justice coming out at the same time. Maybe it helped uh, Justice kind of get on its feet. DP7 was always really solid. Um, and then sometimes it works really well. They both are really hitting on all cylinders. And uh, this is not one of those weeks. Um, <laughs> it's a little... Uh, uh, it's time to prepare yourself for not Justice's greatest work. Justice, uh, the cover of 14 is um, got a... Uh, Again, the the logo is kind of minimized. There's no banner, but it does say new universe and black on the uh, art. Um, And we have justice kind of 
um, I don't know, clenching his fist and standing over the body of a young woman that's maybe bleeding. And you see a American flag in the background. And there, there's a logo superimposed. This is a land full of power and glory. Um, the art is nice. It is by Sandy Plunkett, who will remember from a couple of Nightmask uh, covers. And the, well, we'll get inside in a second. Justice is kind of in his costume, you know, his original costume with the uh, lightning bolt shirt and the uh, overcoat. Turning inside, we got, oh, I've got the uh, antibody uh, thing in the little. Nice, just get, a boring so. old barcode. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm the one with the collectible and you've got nothing. <laughs> that means uh, mine actually came off of the spinner rack, though. Yours probably came from a lame comic book store. <laughs> yeah, well. So turning inside, we've got a splash page that uh, repeats the what is evidently the title of the story. This is a land full of power and glory. And uh, Justice is standing in maybe like a ghost town out west and the narration boxes. Well, actually, it starts off with some um, kind of excerpts from police, uh, uh, from news. Like it says uh, UPI, which is... um, like the news wires, I guess, at the time. So you've got like some reports of, as it says, a suspected distribution center for child pornography was laid siege by a lone vigilante. And uh, details are not uh, yet known, but uh, five bodies were found at the scene. That's our justice. Um, And witnesses claim one man and Everett Sloan fled from the area and uh, the vigilante grabbed a car and gave pursuit and that they were both seen crossing the George Washington bridge in New York. And uh, by the way, Sloan had been, is also a convicted rapist and uh, other felony charges. So Just in case you were wondering if the child pornography guy was a bad guy, you know, it's, you don't need justice's aura reading all the time. Um, sometimes <laughs> people make their own. Mm. He also drives a blue station wagon, the number one vehicle of child pornographers. <laughs> so, I mean, strike three. Yikes. Um, justice grabbed an idling cab nearby. So there's no mention of Arnie or anything. Of course. Um, the narration boxes break in, and uh, once again, events draw this man called Justice here to the bleak landscape of the American West. Just a few short weeks ago, he battled a creature called Clane under the desert sun and was left for dead. He has healed in that time and returns now as a hunter. So the setup being that we're back in the American Southwest kind of desert. Uh, Justice is hunting this um, child pornographer guy and um away we he's chased him all the way from new york i guess is that Uh, what you got from that that part was a little confusing like well i got george washington bridge here and i think that's the one that's across the hudson but um later he does bring out you know say go back to new york or something Uh, twice which i is again part of the Where's there's this incontinuity question that you get so much so much now. 
So the credits are, again, Sandy Plunkett Story, David Hoover Pencils, Vince Coletta Inks, um, Howard Mackey Editor. Um, these are the uh, same credits as were we had on uh, Codename Spitfire number 13. So it's that okay. creative team. The fill-in squad. That is the fill-in squad. Yeah, the um, I mean, we can just say right off the bat, this is uh, an inventory story, a fill-in story. It was designed to fit into continuity a couple of issues ago or something, and they're burning it off now instead of moving forward with the um, Justice living in L.A., being a guy named Trace and um, working at Razzle, working at Razzle. <laughs> and um, getting like the son of a guy who who just got killed to help him chase down um, uh, Damon Conquest's drug operation. So that uh, storyline, maybe we'll see next next time. Only hope. <laughs> um, well, I, That's I, all we got is hope. All we got. Um, but for now, we've got Justice fourteen and. Um, Turning inside Justice, we got more narration boxes about how Justice has been just driving himself for days trying mm-hmm. to chase this guy and not sleep sleeping or eating. And he's driven, not a no, not a passion, a need, a need that won't let him rest. And uh, he's going through this uh, abandoned building or farmhouse or something. Um, you see some shadows and then you see a person with a knife on the roof that's looking down at him and um justice thinking to himself about um uh, how he senses the guy's presence but he's kind of looking in the wrong direction so he doesn't sense it but that specifically i don't know he's got it's got the world's most awful well one of the most awful lines of the book is he has learned to recognize the smell of human fear which just feels stupid to me to be honest but that's urine i guess you <laughs> be yourself i don't know um it's yeah it's gonna be hard to qu- find just one quote that you don't like in this one <laughs> but, um so justice it's like spidey sense it, that they would make fun of in the uh newspaper strip spider-man that he was always like the spidey sense would go off and he would still get clocked in the back of the head by some <laughs> low grade <laughs> criminal like what's the point of this um so sloan apparently uh jumps down and with uh right on top of justice uh kicking him and kind of yelling at him for uh chasing him so hard and now i get even big man hope you like the taste of dirt he says as he brings up his uh hunting knife and uh justice just sort of flips him over and ahead of him and the guy uh, jumps to his feet. They sort of circle each other. Um, as it says, these two men who are from alien worlds. Finally, um, tension is too much for Sloan to bear. He is uh, jumps at Justice with his knife hand raised. But uh, Justice sidesteps him, smacks him uh, in the back as he's going by. And he hears the sickening sound of his own spine snapping. And he uh, realizes the game is done. Justice stands over him and is, um, we see his red eyes glowing as he does the aura reading. 
The aura surrounding Everett burns darkly. The shade of deepest evil. Excuse me. And uh, Justice cuts loose with the sword. So next thing you have is a panel of um, a skeleton. And um, the narration boxes talk about like some vultures that'll come down for him next. And that's the oh, end. Come on, you got to give it this one. The, you want in a all few of it? moments, Everett will be surrounded by mourners. Dressed in black and sporting crooked beaks, they will jostle one another for position as they pick indelicately at the charred scraps of flesh that still cling to his bones. How sad, they will say. Lamentable. Lamentable. (laughs) (sighs) I love me some narration boxes, and these are pretty hilariously bad, though. It's, uh, if you had a um, taste for long... Possibly 18th century prose. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's so like just just describing what he's doing too. Sometimes it's like he goes he, to the left of the ditch and then jumps down, and this is where water goes through, and blah blah blah. <laughs> Sorry, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Don't get ahead of me here, man. <laughs> so he uh, starts walking back to the car, and uh, yeah, blah blah blah, and uh, that. Uh, He's in an arroyo, a natural pathway through the desert. The way back should be easy to follow. And as Justice uh, sort of um, stands up from uh, jumping down, he, as it says, within an hour, he should be on his way back to New York. There we go. But sometimes a man's destiny is changed in the blink of an eye. And we have a snake, imagine a rattlesnake, that suddenly strikes out at uh, Justice's hand. Then I have an extremely poorly printed word balloon, uh, thought balloon. Hmm. Do you have this too? Um, mine's pretty readable. It's not. Um, okay, so yeah, we're we have we'll talk a little later with about the printing of this. It seems there's some uh, differences. And uh, Justice is thinking to himself, "Didn't see that creature hiding in the shade. My whole hand is burning from its bite." Something uh, such a small creature could inflict such so much pain. So, yeah, as the uh, thing promised, venom from a poisonous snake bite would kill us. But what will it do to the alien justice? Well, I think it'll just add more narration boxes. (laughs) (laughs) Next thing we see, justice just keeps on walking. So, okay, And uh, he's... uh, as it says, he is no longer thinking clearly. His head throbs with every step. It's a few hours, I guess. And uh, yeah, I can't keep going. It's too hot. Takes off his coat. What should I do? Give up and die? No, I'm better than that. Those thoughts aren't worthy of a justice warrior. And he's um, sun still beating down on him. The pain is flooding his body. And he just ends up kind of collapsing under a overhanging rock, which has a good shadow. Feels good to lie down, he thinks. And then the world tur- around him turns black. Later, we get more narration boxes about the desert. And <laughs> after it says about another 24 hours have passed, uh, Justice rises, stirred to life by cool morning air. And uh, he still kind of feels residual effects of the venom, but his legs are working, so he starts walking again, seeks out high ground to which to survey his surroundings, and in a few moments, he's overlooking a nice desert town. Uh, And he sees a sign for a diner, 
which he likes. He talked the they talked since coming to this world, he's developed an affection for diners as well as for cheeseburgers and malteds. This morning, though, anything short of shoe leather would taste good to him. <laughs> can, can I sneak in one more bad narration box? Sure, sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, but the desert takes little notice of the trials and tribulations of her children. The sun sets and then rises again, oblivious to the dramas enacted across her rough-hewn face. It's good stuff. <laughs> also, can we say that we, we've got, like, Two page, two maybe three pages of him like stumbling through the desert, where we could have had a page or two of him vaporizing child molesters instead, or or like chasing a guy. Well, maybe like the five day chase across the country might have been boring, but yeah, that page where he's vaporizing the guy, uh, page four, that has uh ten panels on it, and it covers not only like aura reading, um, vaporizing, um walking through an arroyo and uh, getting bit by a snake. Yes. Um, pacing is a little, yeah. Yeah. You get like a lot of stuff going on really fast and then, ah, slow it down, buddy. Stretch it out. Take it easy. Take a nap for a while. Feeling better. Okay. Keep walking slowly. Oh, there's a town up ahead. Okay. 25 cents for pie. What world is this? So Justice gets into the diner and they, they're like, the narration now says his appearance draws little attention here. He, he looks like Van Halen, according to two issues ago. <laughs> the, guy, the cop was in a big city was making fun of him for being too flashy. But here he's in small town Nevada, whatever. And everyone's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um. So he gets in and uh, order gets some water and uh, orders some food until he feels better. There's a nice waitress we don't really get uh, introduced to, but uh, it's a couple panels later, he Justice is listening to her talk to a guy, maybe her boyfriend or something, and she's giving him a hard time for uh, maybe stealing some money from the register. She's uh, saying, you know, blaming him. Um, if the money's gone and uh, he's and he looks like he's about to smack her but look, luckily he doesn't because Justice is standing right there. Doesn't it ever stop? Everywhere I turn I find someone filled with hate ready to lash out <laughs> or maybe pilled with hate because this blobby printing I'm getting here but <laughs> well, yeah, yours must be much worse than mine. Yeah it, it comes and goes but um some of the uh the word is is hard to read um justice is, tries reading the aura of this couple and he's like it's a simple matter for me to adjust my vision to see auras but i can't do it that strange sensation in me the lingering effects of the poison must be affecting my metabolism robbing me of the ability to read auras of all the powers that a justice warrior has his <laughs> thought is never completed a violent explosion from the construction site next door rattles the windows and the panes. And so yeah, looking out the window of the diner, you see a construction site and there's a big explosion. Lord above, says one of the other diners. So this uh, debris is raining down. Justice runs out there. And uh, a guy who's already laying on the ground, um, Justice shields him with his shield. And uh, he's thinking to himself, well, at least I can, you know, still use my shield, even if I can't read auras. 
And the the guy beneath him's like, don't know how you're stopping these rocks in midair, but I think you just saved my life, mister. <laughs> Let me tell you about my company insurance. <laughs> <laughs> um, Justice wanders over to this construction site and talks to someone. Blasted ankle. Think it might have fractured it. Um, and uh, Justice is like, you think this explosion might have been intentional? Well, it's the fourth one at a construction site this month. Some of the players are saying it ain't no cons- coincidence. They're saying a fellow named Q is behind it all. With <laughs> No, I'm kidding you. But, um, so then they, they look over at a Jeep that's just arrived, and the guy says, oh, it's uh, Sheriff Joe Barlow. And uh, Sheriff comes up and uh, talks to Kyle, who's the guy who's uh, injured or shielded by justice and uh sheriff thinks that yeah there's someone who's uh doing this on purpose some sort of eco-terrorist environmental extremists fanatics the kind that have no respect for property or due process of the law they see a bulldozer and go crazy thinking it's the end of their lovely desert they call themselves the freemen and they follow a muadib apparently but <laughs> anyway um so justice is like, uh, you have an idea who it might be? Look, Mister, whoever you are, the sheriff's department doesn't need civilian help. Um, all of a sudden, he gets all like, well, "Why are you asking me all these questions?" As I'm detailing my investigation to you, <laughs> random stranger. First, we're gonna go uh, house by house in a uh, grid by grid uh, organized manhunt. Uh, you could escape it doing uh, this thing, but uh, why do you ask? No, no reason. No reason. Justice thinks to himself, he's a proud man, this Sheriff Barlow. Uh, he's angry at his own failure to stop these crimes. So Justice is always seeing cops and being like, he's poor but proud. I admire this man, no matter how like rude they are to him. So Right, or trigger happy. So uh, Justice starts thinking he'll uh, investigate himself and that uh, looking at right at the explosion site is probably the wrong approach. So he starts looking around this... Uh, outlying fence and he finds some clues some tracks on the other side of a gate um that they they haven't obscured and so he starts walking along and following it at slow and unreliable means towards justice still at this point i have no other path to pursue so he uh goes on for a whole day and as it gets to evening he comes across a um campsite with a couple of people in it and he's looking down on them from a high a rise above and he thinks uh they seem pretty peaceful and then he gets hit from behind mm. i guess he didn't smell that guy coming he can smell fear not anger or one of the many other emotions uh, just fear <laughs> and he wakes up urine that was my hypothesis. It's uh, yet I'm, to be I'm, proved. I'm going with it. It's solid. Okay. Um, the three people now are sitting around the campfire, and we see it's, it's a woman and two men, and they notice he's woken up. One of the guys is like, wow, I thought he'd be out for hours. What's your story, partner? You another bounty hunter? And a great introduction by Tenson here. I am sometimes called Tenson. <laughs> <laughs> very convincing dude I, I, who are you trying to fool i don't i seek after justice not bounties i'm also a robot <laughs> shaped like a man that's why did you ha- attack me from behind that's an act of a person who has something to hide 
Uh, look, fella, we could give you a load of garbage about being campers, but you don't look that dumb. Um, for now, you'll get our names. That's it. There, the woman there, she goes by the name Red Path. She is possibly Native American. Yes. The guy with the long face is Wiley, like the coyote. It's definitely not Willie, like Willie Deer, the guy who showed up in Codename Spitfire 13, who looks just like this. <laughs> uh, and I'm just playing Edward, not Edmund Roth. Um, so uh, Willie's like, what? Oh, why don't you just give the guy our social security numbers? Um, Red Path starts, uh, starts in. Simmer down, Willie. I'm not Wiley. I'm not a child. Wait, sorry. That's uh, Edward. That was Edward, um, who's totally not a child molester. Uh, so justice is not going to kill him. Okay. Uh, Red Path starts in. It doesn't really matter how we feel about ourselves, does it? This guy probably had us pegged for hippie commie freaks like the rest of them. Justice is like, I don't know what to think. <laughs> Even if they are the ones responsible for the explosions without seeing their auras, I can't judge the purity of their intent. Redpath, taking his silence for an invitation to keep talking, uh, gives us a long story about how uh, the three of us had joined together for good reasons. I grew up on this land. As a teenager, I'd spent days hiking through the canyons. In particular, I loved Glen Canyon. No place on earth was ever filled with such beauty, such tranquility. You get some nice f- shots of her walking through nature. Does the river on yours also look like an oil slick? Yes, uh, right. it's black. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you about that. It's a natural but... feature of the area. But then a few money-hungry businessmen decided that a hydroelectric power plant would look good there. They started making plans to dam the river that ran through the canyon and flooded it entirely. All that glorious beauty under tons of water. Me and hundreds of others fought the plan tooth and nail. Truth is, if the government had tried developing solar energy and wind power, emphasized energy conservation, that dam might not have been necessary. She's picky about her sources of green energy, I guess is what I'm taking from this. She then goes on a rant about how nuclear power is both safe and efficient and environmentally friendly. No, I'm (laughs) kidding. She doesn't do that at all. (laughs) Now all that remains of Glen Canyon is a tamed and neutered park filled with Winnebago's and powerboats. And uh, you see a guy, uh, uh, you know, shot of a uh, couple water skiing. Yeah, yeah. You, you. It would be even more effective if you showed like a houseboat full of frat boys on spring break, which is what I believe it actually is now. But right, throwing beer cans. She says it's enough to make you cry. Well, I wasn't the only one angry about it. And we have a flashback to the three of them meeting, joining hands on the steps of some Congress building, maybe? I don't know. I wasn't the only one angry about it. During the fight I met, Wiley and Eddie, we vowed to fight this mindless progress any way we could. That's why we call ourselves the anti-progressives. There's nothing mm-hmm. we hate more than progressiveness. Anyway, now we're fulfilling that vow. Anyway, tomorrow we have got even more to do. Why don't you uh, grab a grab a blanket and go to sleep, Mister Justice? Is like okay, I guess. <laughs> Why did you tell me all of this? <laughs> <laughs> Truly, a captive audience. Justice is tied up, so he's just sort of listening, that sitting there listening as they ramble on. Perhaps this is what they do every night around the campfire. 
Yeah, you remember that Clen Canyon? Yeah, I loved it too, man. You loved it, didn't you, buddy? Yeah, okay. I like the idea that they just keep kidnapping people and ranting and telling them their story all the time. <laughs> so, um, I... James Edward, I'm not a child molester. Your kids are safe. Don't... No matter so... what the registry says. <laughs> <laughs> so, this was so specific. I I did look it up eventually. I, I, I couldn't tell if it was... Um, just an example that people would pull out at the time. But this is Glen Canyon Dam was um, an actual thing built on the Colorado River in northern Arizona. Okay. Um, built from 1956 to 66. So Red Path has been fighting this fight for 20 years at this point. Dang. Uh, she looks pretty young at the time. But um, yeah, and that's what uh, uh, forms Lake Powell, which. Yeah, when I lived in Denver, it was just like a big lake you would go to on spring break and uh, commit debauchery, I guess. So <laughs> I don't blame her for, for that uh, assessment of them. But um, so it is a specific place. But this is, I mean, we, we'll just say right now, this is like a um, a very like 60s slash 70s movie where you have, you know, these like sympathetic environmental terrorists. And uh, I'm not sure you'd get that in like a cop show at the time, maybe. Mm. Um, so I don't know. It's it's I mean, before I had said um, the codename Spitfire was dragging on like some old uh, Saturday movies, uh, movie serial type adventure um things and so here we're once again kind of going into older cinema as the inspiration for our story so just a reason to uh learn about what happens when justice gets bit by a snake that's all i wanted to know i wanted to know what would happen and i according to this he sleeps for a couple of days and then loses his aura reading ability which is a strangely specific maybe the snake took his aura reading ability maybe he could find it it particularly evil rat that i just swallowed he's like there's a narration box over the snake should i strike or should i withhold my (laughs) venom (laughs) ah well let's see justice wakes up the next day and um she's like if you promise not to uh try anything cute i'll cut you loose and you have my word um it would be easy to overpower like a young woman who's like half your size probably but Justice can. She fed him beans, though, so it's all right. So he he starts he's talking to her. You know, it, the, your explosion yesterday almost killed someone. She's like, well, it went off an hour later. It should have gone off when no one was there. And you know, I've tried legal methods. They don't work so well. You know, I'm not going to sit around and watch this country devastated by industrial criminals and corrupt bureaucrats. Wow, I'm sure I've changed since then. <laughs> anyway stop this self-righteous bull will you see how you feel when something you love something irreplaceable is taken from you tell me about your home world usul i mean um the, the far land oh it's lost to me because it was taken from me by bureaucrats anyway she's uh i didn't write the rules until i changed them hey oh here the boys are back so the boys come uh get off the jeep with boxes that just say explosives so I'm sure we've got a constructive day ahead of ourselves now. From the Acme store. <laughs> Probably. A couple of anvils, throw them in there too. Um, 
So uh, she's saying um, justice isn't just another cop. He's open, willing to talk, or at least listen to us, apparently. So let's take him with us and let him get to know us. <laughs> uh, she argues a bit, but and they're like, well, for want of a better idea, I agree. Reluctantly. Justice take, is thinking of Take the guy who called himself Justice to go and check out their crime spree. Let's uh yeah, I'll I'll help uh lay the explosives as long as you don't tell anyone that it's it's according to where I come from, that's not a crime at all. A million stars are twinkling in the heavens when the four finally reach their goal. Um, they're driving their jeep up to a um, what appears to be a bridge under construction. There it is, the new Sonora Bridge, designed to save tourists time on their way to Mesa Land Park. Okay, I didn't look that one up. I, I don't know. It's going to mean a thousand more cars and trucks around here every year. Every year? That's three a day. But anyway, more roads, <laughs> more hamburger joints, the death of another wilderness area. And well, At uh, least there's hamburgers. Justice likes hamburgers, so he's definitely not down with this. Uh, so he tells uh, the Edward just tells Justice to stay out of their way while we plant charges. And uh, Justice is sort of thinking that they're getting tense. They're unsure of themselves and their actions. As the three of them walk ahead of him, each with a box labeled explosives. <laughs> and it looks like a shoe box, right? It's just like a rectangle that's yellow. It's just a remarkably stiff scene. I don't know. There's some, <laughs> something about it. So let's keep to the timetable, boys and girls. This shouldn't take long. We only need a few. No! Suddenly there's a, surrounded by Jeeps with the lights on. And this is Sheriff Barlow. We're surrounded. Um, then the printing gets really bad on the the text here but uh barlow is telling them to put their uh, hands down and uh, they'll be arrested yeah we were getting sloppy must have given ourselves away everyone back to the jeep says eddie and just as he's thinking to himself this is going all wrong i'm caught in the middle of something that's gone out of control the cops are saying stop or we'll be forced to fire um and red path trips over a rock and then there's a shot ringing out presumably from the cops. Um, Justice stands over her um, deflecting bullets with his shield. Can't stand by and let her get hurt, no matter what's right or wrong. What? <laughs> that sounds really in character. That's... <laughs> now he's saving the lives of these environmental terrorists that he's hanging out with to figure out if they're bad. Yeah, okay. When you put it that way, it makes it much more clear. I mean, it's... Well, Redpath is an, a, a young, attractive woman, as 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 presented here. And I, I'm sure no one wanted to see her get shot. So he's like um, certainly willing to deflect uh, some bullets and make sure, you know, she has a chance to keep going. Um, he's thinking to himself as he carries her to the Jeep, the getaway Jeep that the other two guys are in already. I wanted to play neutral in this, but it looks like I've made a decision for better or worse. Maybe later I can untangle the threads. I'm not sure about that. Just... <laughs> I'm going to untangle her threads. <laughs> uh, Redpath, uh, last girlfriend is a slave of demons in another dimension. Um, <laughs> 
Are you seeing anyone? I can't tell. And I guess Wiley got shot somewhere off his panel. Yeah, Wiley, you're bleeding. Just a flesh wound, Red. Hurry up and get in. So they were riding off in the Jeep. Uh, Red Paths uh, saying maybe we should surrender. Wiley's like, spend the rest of our lives in a prison cell. No thanks. But we'll need a miracle to pull our butts out of this jam. The posse's gaining on us. Miracle named Justice T. Tenson. Um, T? I don't know. The Justice thinks to himself, I've never faced a situation like this before. I'm the only chance these people have of escaping. But if I help them, I'll be in direct conflict with the lawmen of this world. Wow. Okay. For once, I have only my heart to guide me. Justice is actually like uses his sword long distance and blows out a tire on a pursuing jeep and Redpath had already seen the um, paranormality of the um, shield it's like I don't know who you are mister and I'm beginning to wonder if you're even human but you're sure you're sure a handy guy to have in a pinch next time next bar we get to mister justice the beers are on me you just bought us some time maybe enough to lose those suckers okay here we go. let's go kill some more people all right um, anyway, they eventually they pull off the road and cover some tracks and they say, well, the best chance now is on foot. I uh, used to hike this area before and I know it pretty well. And Eddie very optimistically says, if we lay low for two or three days, things should begin to cool down. Yeah, two or three days. That's really all it'll take to uh, turn off this hot, hot pursuit. Um, Eddie feels bad for dragging justice into this and uh, he says he still feels as though there's still a reason to remain with you. I'm from someplace very different and have a lot to learn about your ways here. In the last 24 hours, I've been taught a good deal about the human spirit. I'm not going to abandon such good teachers too quickly. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, so bad. Imagine my face as I'm reading this. <laughs> anyway. Hanging out with Wiley, Redpath, and a... Probably not a child molester guy, Edward. And it's just he swears he's not a child molester. So, you know. Vehemently, yes. <laughs> As an orange moon begins to ascend up there, fellas, bandits cliff. And uh so they think there's, you know, they'll get scale this cliff and they'll make it. Uh Wiley's leg is hurt from this uh shot. So Eddie goes up the cliff with a rope and uh He's like, well, this gang just might live to sabotage another day. Throws the rope down. The others climb up, and suddenly a helicopter appears. Um, something loud coming up from below. Yeah, you can hear a helicopter from quite a ways away, actually. But just on a quiet night in the open desert. But hey, it's good like thing it, out of all those hiding spots that were supposed to be in Bandit's Gulch or whatever, that they're standing in a wide open clearing on top of what looks like a mesa or a plateau or something. <laughs> yeah, now that I think about it, there's like a scene in Resident Evil 4 where you're kind of on a cliff and you're surrounded by things that are coming to kill you and suddenly a helicopter pops up and like machine guns them all. You remember? Mm, no, it's been too long. Mm. Well, I think we all have projects to work on this weekend. Then, uh, yeah, I've been playing Kings of the Beach for NES volleyball. Right. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, the, Eddie's like that maniac Barlow. He must have radioed for backup. Let's move. This guy won't let up till he has our hides. Justice is the one who's like supposed to be tenacious, but okay. So uh, the the copter is, uh, you know, and making announcements. This is the sheriff's department. You're under arrest. Eddie starts running. Um, Justice thinks he could blow up the helicopter with his sword, but cost of more human life. Eddie pulls out a gun and is like, well, maybe it'll buy enough time for the others to get away. And he's shot. Edward, no, says Red Path. Wiley, we've got to do something. Nothing we can do. Red, he took that bullet in the chest. Eddie's dead. I should have seen that coming. What's wrong with me? Thanks, Justice. Yeah, what is wrong with you, Justice? You're completely <laughs> acting like a different character. Ah, Redpath and Wiley have a moment. Um, it's like Wiley's like, um, we're in the middle of a nightmare, and it won't get better if we don't think clearly. And that really strikes home to justice. Wiley's right, but my head is throbbing. Can't keep it clear. Must be the after effects of the snake's venom. Oh, we're still blaming the snake for everything there, Justice. Okay, maybe the snake bit the writer. <laughs> reacting to all the adrenaline in the situation is causing my body to release the venom, I guess. Just when I need clarity the most. Now there's some more bullets uh, flying around. Wiley tells them to hurry. Um, They're like, we can almost make it, but we have you completely surrounded as they get to the top of a rise. So wherever they were going, they've got more cops standing in between them. And now it's just like a small group of rocks that they're hiding behind. Justice is like, Wiley, the situation is out of control. Edward's already lost his life. Hold on, we still have a chance. There's some caves I used to know something about. We can run down there. And Wiley starts running, and he's shot or no. the off a the, cliff, yeah. Yeah, rocks tumble below him, and he falls off a cliff. But Justice, in the meantime, um... My brain, in a moment of crisis, my brain's on fire. Can't think. Wait, at last, it's stopping. Like a fog has finally been burned out of my brain. Um, it's too late for Wiley, who's falling down the cliff. But then Redpath is uh, running to help him. Wiley, hold on, I'm coming. Redpath, says Justice, just as she is shot from off panel. Zing. Wiley, Edward. And as she lies there, the printing on the dialogue again going to crap. Listen, <laughs> the sheriff is like starts yelling at his men. You idiots! I told you, hold your fire. The woman is unarmed. Redpath justice comes out there. This isn't what we planned. How did it? How did it go so wrong? Justice, whoever you are, it's important that you understand. Wiley, me, and Edward, we were just trying to do what we had to to save this land. Don't judge us too harshly. Redpath, how could I? <laughs> Known her for like two days. Just Sheriff Barlow is there now, and he says, um, Justice yells at him for, you know, uh, how could you, a man with a sacred trust, be so vile? Was her crime so great that she deserved this? Redpath is dying, but she's still got time for more dialogue. No, Justice. There's been enough violence tonight. The sheriff isn't evil. In his own way, he's doing what he thinks is right. 
Isn't that Please. the same thing that like the environmental or the you know the guys building the dam were doing? Town needs electricity. They're just doing what they think is right. Well, at least someone is learning. More forgiving of the guy who shot her. Justice uh, is like got a lot of anger lines coming out of him. She's dead, and with every fiber of my being, I want to kill the man responsible. But now that my mind is clear, now my you can his aura reading is back. I can see that Redpath was right. His aura is pure. I almost made a grave mistake. Sheriff is like, uh, Mister. I don't know your role in all this, but you are definitely under arrest. She was a beautiful being. Starts waxing <laughs> philosophical. It's like, uh, I guess these kids aren't around to like uh, start blathering all day. So I guess that's my job now. She didn't. I didn't need to see her aura to know that. Do what you will with me. But they deserve to be rem- bur- to remain here. I will bury them in this earth that they love so much. Oh. What? Right, that's maybe the worst line. <laughs> Shara's like, maybe after the inquest, but uh, he's like, Barlow, I have powers you can't comprehend. I would have killed you if Redpath hadn't spoken in your favor. Don't interfere with me again. Uses the sword to shoot um, Barlow's gun out of his hand. And Barlow then tells his two young deputies who are coming up with rifles, let him go. We've made enough mistakes for one night. And then we get another 400 boxes, 400 (laughs) boxes. That man's something alien, some powerful force. I could feel it when we first met. Let him do what he thinks is right. And heaven help anyone who tries to stop him. I I can't do it. The end. Uh, Redeeming feature. So if, if you pop back onto page 20 when Wiley meets his demise, like he dies like Wiley Coyote, right? He's like right on the edge <laughs> of the cliff and that little bit of cliff breaks and he falls really far. And then we're just missing like the scene where the the big piece of rock then hits him at the end and flattens him. <laughs> Very much the case. Yes. Yeah. Edward just died like a child molester and just got shot, but we'll just assume he was one and was just uh trying to cover his tracks. Yeah, Perhaps like... he was Everett Sloan the whole time. I don't know. <laughs> the real I mean, you're bound to lose somebody after chasing them for five days. Maybe they swap places, yeah. I Everett. also like to imagine that Red Path was like you know, she thought they thought she was dead, and that's why, like, the sheriff and justice were talking. And then she pops back up again. It's like, no, wait, please don't kill each other. And then she goes down, comes back up a couple more times for one last thing to say. Well, she had a lot to say, but what do I have to say? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I would have almost expected that that last page would be um, justice waking up from a venom-induced nightmare. (laughs) And I have a strong suspicion that that page is floating around somewhere out there. So I will try to hunt that down as an alternative explanation for this. He's like, oh, I'm really thirsty. (laughs) (sighs) Maybe, Maybe the last thing in the comic is like some meta commentary on this issue. It's like beauty is complex and lies not only in nature's perfection as in a good issue of justice, 
but her imperfections as well. As in, you know, maybe we can find beauty in a terrible issue of justice. Fair enough. <laughs> Perhaps by rewriting it. So I remember like seeing a a um something with uh, Sandy Plunkett talking, and I think he he was saying that he had given um breakdowns for the pages that he did for one or both of these issues we've discussed this or spitfire and that it kind of limited hoover's finishes and he wasn't maybe as happy with the results that hoover's Mm. actually does a pretty good job on his own maybe he was still new or something but um so um he at least like takes the blame it says you know that's his fault if you think it's like layouts are stiff or something Mm. um Story. It's more the story, though. I don't know. Yeah, that's the kind of yeah. movie I would have like, flick turned right off if I came across it on the TV. Um, <laughs> it has a sort of um, easy writer quality to it. So you've got these, you know, activist, you know, environmentally conscious characters from the '60s, '70s, and there's still that sort of um, terrorism was cool, I guess, or something. Um, by the 80s this was a little played out and it's like the Unabomber was still out there but um, mm-hmm. eh, most of the um, well I, I mean so you'd get uh, like I say this sort of story and various degrees of like how innocent or guilty they, these you know idealistic youths would be these ones are kind of guilty like kind yeah. of heavily guilty so if you're starting with the premise that, okay, let's do an episode where Justice has to make decisions without his aura reading ability, like, I think that's a good setup. Like, I like that idea in general. It's just terribly done, right? Like, it's just not, it's he's way out of character and everybody's making stupid decisions that make no sense. And yeah, I don't know. It doesn't work. I have a better idea of how to do that story but you're right it, it's a as a setup it's it's uh, it sounds good yeah it's, it comes across a little contrived and like you know uh and it's sort of flipping on and off like this um and when it's convenient he loses it and when it's convenient it comes back um and maybe losing like the other powers would have also been good too i don't know mm maybe maybe i guess it it makes him more dangerous if he if he can't read auras but he's still got the power to to judge people so yeah fair enough yeah um, and he he totally like fell in love with this woman like ken connell <laughs> to wood or something and it's just way out of character i mean this whole thing that got him like stranded in the desert in the first place was like doing his work of justice in anger right that's this whole thing like that's the corruption if he's just being dispassionate and you know killing who needs to be killed then that's what he's supposed to be doing right here is like raging out about red path like against this sheriff and it just seems way out of character yeah he's it's like he's learned this lesson before so yeah like he doesn't get emotionally damaged by like the crimes that he witnesses. He's more like, you know, accepts that they're inevitable and fixes the what he can by vaporizing people. You know, it's just all this 
whiny, you know, well, let's follow these guys around and learn about people. And you guys are such great teachers. And ah. <laughs> so, yeah. When just Justice is a great active character. So when he's not being active, it it seems like off. Yeah. The more he uh, becomes contemplative and everything is like, who are you? It's a frustrating issue in a couple of uh, ways, and I'm not going to belabor the point. Um, I, I, it's also frustrating that um, s- since he left the desert in 11, we've now had two out of three issues be essentially fill-ins or something. And so just as we're feeling like this is building to something and there's something great on the horizon... We just get sort of gum, gummed up the works. And yeah. that's the last issue wasn't, you know, the the you know, final confrontation I was hoping for, but it was at least a, uh, a re- rebirth and, you know, heading in a direction. So, yeah, it's like uh, stop and start feel you get here is pretty strong. Yeah. So. That's uh, that's not going to help like a struggling title. I'm not. I mean, I know they would they would like solicit fill in issues and sort of pay ahead of time. So they have sort of a sunk cost with these. Um, right. And then maybe they need to like use them up before they the story moves on so much that they become irrelevant, I guess, too. But that's yeah, I'm I, that's what I'm feeling here. So um by by what we've heard there's big transitions coming in 15 so i can only assume that's like okay well clear the decks for that and use up whatever we have that we won't be able to use later and if it's frustrating getting there and we lose ten thousand readers because they're like f this um okay i don't know um Hmm. Uh, lose a dollar to save a penny or something i guess that's how it feels um i don't know this so yeah andy and i were talking i think um comparing this week's books to last week's that they've got a new printing process going um there's definitely some overprinting in one of the issues that i've got this week um or like both of them to some degree i'll have like you know, letters where like the O is solid black or something. And then the colors are more intense compared to last week as well. Um, Even in things like house ads that are just the same image. So, uh, I mean, I remember DC like changing to something called flexographic printing. Um, You get like different plates or processes or something and like, whatever the printing process they'd been using suddenly had to be recalibrated. And so the first few issues of things you get out sometimes can be, um, what the heck happened there? It was like an issue of crisis on infinite earth. I always remember they were like, all right, enjoy this new week's uh, new printing process. And the yellows were so overpowered Mm. in this, this issue that it, uh, it was just stunning. The yellows are pretty strong in this one. I can't say it's the same thing, but um, I don't. The they don't talk in the uh, bullpen, bullpen, 
bulletin as much as they did in the DC version of it about what kind of printers they're using and the processes. So, yeah, and it sounds like mine was a little bit more cleaner and easier to read than yours. So, yeah, it's, it's there's a lot of words, and if it's all blobby, it's like, oh, what am I doing? Okay. Well, maybe we should take a quick break and uh, come back with another issue of DP7. I'll only take a break if you give me your letter grade for this issue. I don't want to see. <laughs> I C vacillate minus, between... I C minus, it probably deserves a D. I don't remember reading anything this bad in the new universe. Uh, yeah, C minus is like the best I can do. Uh, I'm trying to remember if there's... Yeah, I mean, it's at least two problems. I don't know. But I will be uh, give a generous C- as like the lowest I'm willing to go. Hmm. Um, Worst justice issue so far. Definitely, from my point of view. I think you're right. Um, the worst in the new universe. It is pretty close to the um, codename Spitfire 13 that I was unhappy with before as well, though, so... I don't want to point fingers, but <laughs> I think that may be all we'll see in the new universe of that creative team. So I believe that's right. Yeah. And I, you know, I think uh, Sandy Plunkett is still with us. I don't know about Dave Hoover. So I don't want to uh, start a Twitter war with any living <laughs> legends out there. So. Right. <laughs> All right. So now actual break time then. Let's take it to a break. Welcome back. Hopefully that music was palate cleansing from <laughs> that not so great uh, issue. But we got DP7 number 14. DP7 is nothing if not consistently good. So issue 14 uh, came out at the same time, you know, cover December, though September 8th is when you could find this at your grocery store or comic book store or pharmacy or corner store or all that fun spots. Uh, so yeah, DP7, uh, this one's got kind of a fun action-filled cover. Uh, basically, our group, the the seven, kind of squaring off against what we can only assume is the black click because it's a bunch of paranormals all happen to be dark-skinned. Um, while Charlie is sort of in the foreground giving like the shunned look, like the Spider-Man no more, kind of like, oh, I'm done with this thing. Uh, where Randy's kind of like giving a come on his arms <laughs> up. Uh, well, the rest are kind of battling. So we, we get our first peek at some new paranormals. One guy's got kind of like clouds around him and it looks like he's breathing smoke. Uh, one's just got like some speed lines and there's a black woman who's got like a force field around her that's extending out like a Green Lantern-ish like fist grabbing onto poor old Jeff Walters. 
Um, and then the fourth guy really shows nothing. He's wearing green. So maybe we'll get more from him. Maybe we won't. Mr. Green Jeans, we call him. <laughs> What's that from? What? What's oh, Captain Kangaroo. Okay. Yeah. All right. So splash page. You World's promised you were gonna podcaster sing us, over here. Okay. You promised you were gonna sing us some Lionel Richie here. Oh, what a feeling dun, dun, when you're dancing on the ceiling. Dun, dun. <laughs> right on oh, Lionel Richie there. <laughs> um, because yeah, Charlie has friction powers. She can make things stick to surfaces, also make things slippery, and in fact, she's legitimately dancing on the ceiling. Uh, which is something you can do if you're in the aerobics dance studio at the Clinic for Paranormal Research. I wonder if the sanctuary in Cyforce has an aerobics dance studio. I bet it does. We can only hope. No, no doubt. Um, so Jeff comes rushing in, basically, and kind of interrupting her. Uh, and he's kind of surprised that she can dance on the ceiling. Um, and she's been talking about how she's been kind of practicing her powers um so she's not worried about falling off as far as things go and she practiced on the walls um so jeff is there with like a rolled up piece of paper and he's kind of lording it over her um she's like what's in your hand she's like oh nothing much just a copy of the work assignments sheet that's actually not that exciting but anyway He's like, oh, let me see, let me see. What does it say my job is? He's like, I'm not telling until you say something nice to me for once. So just being kind of a turd. Um, so she makes the floor under him slippery. And so he's got like the Scooby-Doo legs where it all kind of like running in place. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay, you got nice legs. <laughs> um, it's like, hey, I'll fall down and bust my, he's like, I won't stop until you let me see that list. So finally, kind of up. He's finally lets up. So I, I guess the uh, the clinic needs help from the patients now to run it. Uh, so now they're giving everybody jobs. Uh, so he says, "You've got receptionist duty, and I'll be working in food prep." Uh, so which I imagine he would be quite fast at, though also would eat a lot. Um, she's a receptionist. As we saw, he was a fast food manager, so he's got experience. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was in the annual. Yeah, um, that was in food prep, though, not like for the food manager. He's he's cutting the onions. I assumed he worked his way up, so he's experienced. I don't know. Yeah, you're assuming that they do actual food prep in McDonald's, though, which is definitely oh. everything comes out of a box. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, but anyway, that's not really the most interesting part. Um, so yeah, she's kind of asking what other people had. Uh, and I didn't have a chance to get to look. Um, so don't jive me, Jeffrey. I know you're a speed reader. It's like, yeah, I'm also a speed forgetter too. <laughs> um, so he's kind of flirting <laughs> with her and goofing around, uh, and kind of hoping for thanks. And she kind of finally gives him a thanks and a kiss on the cheek. And, um, he says, I guess that'll do. I'm like, what that'll do? What do you mean? It's a perfectly good kiss. He's like, uh, I know you're saving up your kisses for the for Randy. <laughs> so what? Struck a nerve there. Says, I am not. And so he's very sassy off. pose. Yeah. <laughs> he zips off and just like he thinks like I'm hot for Randy. Well, I guess I, I kind of am. I just didn't know that it showed. So through, yeah, throughout the series, she has kind of had like a background crush on him and kind of like hung around. So 
never really did much with it uh, or acted on it up until the, uh, I guess it got let out anyway. Uh, all right. So from, from there, we cut to what Randy's up to. And he's on like the therapist, classic therapist couch, uh, solo with Dr. Simple. And the, the coolest part, though, is like his antibodies are hanging around. Like one's sitting on the couch. One's like floating above him, like pretending like it's laying on the thing. So they've got kind of some interesting personality. Um, but yeah, so Randy's kind of messed up about... Uh, that last issue, um, one of his antibodies, kind of sort of acting on his orders, uh, killed Dexter Charn. So, so yeah, to, to micro recap here, like the patients have uh, kind of overthrown the clinic to a degree. So they're not so, so much in charge, but they're kind of involved now in the running of things. Um, so overshadow Voight, uh, Tracy Speck and Dexter Charn are all dead. Uh, Hackbarth, who was like the last of the clinic kind of powered goons, is still alive but in a coma. And then Stephanie of the DP7 is also in a coma, and she has been for the last couple of issues. Um, yeah, the uh, cover, um, she, Stephanie's the only one who's missing, actually, out of that fight scene. So Right. They didn't show like her on her hospital bed or something like that, just kind of hanging out in the corner. Um, so yeah, so Randy and Semple have a little bit of discussion. Uh, you know, he's kind of not sure what to make of it. Is, is it really his fault uh, if if it's the antibody that you know that killed him? But he sort of controls them. Are these things dangerous? You know, in the meanwhile, they're like pranking each other. So like one of them looks like it's reading a book floating in the air. The other one puts a lampshade on its head. So they're kind of goofing around in the background, uh, which is kind of fun. Uh, he also mentions um, that the one that killed uh, Charn is kind of like a renegade. So he's he is kind of off on his own, uh, not really communicating and, um, you know, maybe not as often coming back into Randy, uh, which is interesting. So they're really kind of developing a little bit differently. Yeah, he says, if there's any way to bar him from using my body as his roost, I sure as blazes would. Um, and then, you know, just as things start getting interesting in the therapy session, oh, I'm afraid that's all the time we have for the session, Randy. <laughs> so she, she kicks him out. Uh, continue so, this on Tuesday. So when he's talking about um, the antibody killing Charn, he's like, you know, he's, he's overcome by guilt. And he's like, he's got this antibodies view of strangling Dexter Charn. Um, sure, Charn was a creep whose paranormal power threatened you, me, maybe everyone else here. But nothing justifies murder, not even self-defense. Actually, that's the best uh, uh, justification for murder. Uh, Randy. You would think so. I mean, it's, he's taking a hard Batman line on things, I guess. You know, I, I don't know if it's his medical training maybe he's like you know human life is blah 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 hippocratic oath blah 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 um but i mean even in cases where yeah literally the thing the only thing standing between you and doom oh, i don't know does that justify killing yeah on every state of the union they <laughs> any court in the land but anyway yeah, the uh, antibodies he's referring to as like by their by individual names, and he talks about them having separate personalities. Mm. 
The and... names don't come until a little bit later, but okay, let's hit it then. Then, yeah, <laughs> not miss it, but yeah, and so, but notably, they're out all the time. So, whereas before they would kind of hang out inside him and then just kind of pop out as needed, here they're just they're on panel walking around with him, you know, just kind of around uh, all the time. So, so as he leaves the office, he runs into Rod Tangler Weigand and Art Freefall Benway. Two of the in, in Randy's head, two of the biggest jerks to ever become paranormals. <laughs> uh, both of which I think were on the Evil Dream volleyball team. Uh, yeah, definitely. Freefall was like the one on the cover, levitating a volleyball, and uh, Tangler like uh, tossed in the it shower. in the shower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's low, man. That's low. Not not that kind of a shower encounter, but anyway. <laughs> They did tie him up and leave him there dripping wet and naked, but you know, just an assault, not a sexual assault. <laughs> it's not Edward from. <laughs> no wait, he's into children. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, it's getting darker in the new universe. What's going on? Uh, so they they kind of square off, and you know, Randy implies they've been kind of like bullying him a little bit and kind of messing around with their powers. And say no way we've just been made security guards of this joint it's our job to protect wimps like you from stuff like that <laughs> which is kind of a hilarious line honestly so see you around wimp we gotta go get fitted for our uniforms it's like them security guards what's this place coming to <laughs> um, and here's where you get some of that he's like you know we had to let go a lot of staff due to budget cuts but uh, who knows, maybe a little responsibility will straighten them out. So he's still kind of sort of trying to be optimistic a little bit. Um, but yeah. So, oh, good. I mean, the whatever the funding this place is running under, um, I guess, would have was like administered by Voight or was somehow controlled by him. So who knows what the, you know, that they're very vague on the details, but. Okay, they did say that this was like a month after the last issue, so we're in real time, uh, whatever. So it's some fairly short order. We've made some significant changes here. So now instead of being this omnipotent um, enemy, the clinic is running on empty, and uh, it's it's like in a video game where like you 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 face off against a boss. And they're like super powerful. And then afterwards they join your team and they're super underpowered. Yeah. But anyway. That's classic. <sighs> Continue. So so as he's kind of thinking to himself, this the antibodies in the background are kind of there's one that's kind of flying around the corner. Um, and it actually like whooshes through the other. Uh, you get a little exclamation point from one of the antibodies. That's usually all we kind of get from them. And he says, it was the killer antibody. It's like, hmm, if Harpo hadn't sig signaled me he was coming, he would have sneaked in on me. It's like, see on his tail, Harpo. I want to know what that thing does at all times. So that's where we get the names. He's named one of his antibodies Harpo. So it, it chases. It oh, good. The whole thing where like the antibody is sneaking in into him and everything. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's some like subliminal something going on there that I'm not comfortable with entirely. <laughs> well, we found out from the like annoying orphan episode issue that the um, 
antibodies can only last so long outside of his body. And eventually, like after days and days, like they'll break down and just kind of disappear uh, without coming back into him and kind of resetting themselves, I guess. They're, they're on a timer to a degree. Um, but yeah, so the antibodies are chasing each other and like through the walls, through the ceiling, um, through Charlie's bathroom uh, <laughs> while she's in the middle of a shower um and she kind of gets startled and they kind of stop like in midair their chase and like both look at her as she's like barely covering herself um so she, so she screams at me, you perverts peeping towns get out of here uh so she's thinking that's a low down thing for randy to do i know very well that when those filthy things return to him he gains their memories of everything they've done or seen man i'm gonna give him a piece of my um but it, she actually just runs directly into Randy who came to her door because he heard her screaming. Uh, so the two were chasing each other and there's one more that's kind of like standing there uh, uh, just kind of hanging with him. Um, she's like, I heard you scream. It's like, you know very well that this creature of yours was spying on me while I was in the shower. It's like, who? Zeppo? He was with me the past hour. It must have been Harpo or Groucho. It's like, How many of these things do you have? Uh, best I can tell, there's Harpo, Groucho, Zeppo, and then the killer one, which maybe doesn't have a name. Yeah, if they he released five, one was the killer, and there's four Marx Brothers, right? Mm. With Zeppo, so I think we see four Max this issue. So I don't know if he, he referred to one as Chico. So that's the uh, but Zeppo is is always sort of the fourth. So okay. Marx Brother. So that's how I think of it anyway. Um, all right, so, so they kind of argue and then she kind of turns it a little bit um uh, you know asking him he's thinking maybe he can maybe he can do more to control them than he really could if he really wanted to maybe he enjoys it or no she says now don't enjoy it too much when those antibodies who spied on me show you what they saw and he's like i promise i won't he's like you won't pooey on you so given the wrong answer here apparently so she says, as punishment for your antibodies behaviors, you have to help me on my dance routines again. It's like, oh, do I have to? It's like, your only other option is to take me on an expensive night on the town. These options are getting better. Um, it's like, but with my antibodies dive bombing all the time, I don't want to do that. She's like, okay, I'll settle for a television date. You bring the popcorn. Top hat is on tonight. I'll be there. Uh, he says, if I didn't know better, I'd say that girl has something on her mind. So Randy is quite oblivious, apparently. <laughs> so uh, she's, she's twisted in, into a TV date. So Netflix and chill before there was Netflix. You got to watch what was on. That's what my notes have for it as well. Yeah. Yeah. TV and chill. Uh, but so... Um, yeah, she goes back into her room. We we get cut to that evening. Evening, we've got an, a dress change. She's wearing kind of like a, a white outfit with a zebra on it. Maybe it's kind of hard to tell from the coloring. Um, and it's so she's kind of she's kind of thinking about Randy, and she gets interrupted by uh, two new paranormals. Uh, they say Charlotte Beck, I presume. My name's Indigo, and this is Chill. So Indigo is the one. That, on the cut from the cover with the like force power hand thing and chill apparently cold powers we assume then um so Fro who is it frozone from the incredibles this predates frozone <laughs> so, so they come into a room 
Uh, she says, you may have seen us around. We were in therapy group D. That is, were in past tense. Um, it's like we're organizing our own therapy group for brothers and sisters only, and we want you to join. Right? So the all African-American group or the Black Powers group, as they call themselves, not the Black Click. Um, uh, but yeah, so she goes on this rant. You know, we need our own group. The entire staff is white. Blacks have no representation at all. Uh, they disperse us among the therapy groups. Management promotes tokenism and keeps us politically powerless. Uh, we got to band together, get representation and appropriate treatment, and deal with other paranormals and their racism. What do you say? And she's like, um, like, I haven't really had a problem. You know, she likes all the people in her group, hasn't really experienced racism for anybody, uh, from anyone at the clinic. He's like, oh, so just because you're one of the fortunate few, you don't feel any obligation to those who haven't had your luck. Is that it? I, I feel like Indigo's, uh, Indigo's problem is more like of a looksism or something. Like she is nowhere near as attractive as Charlie. And mm -hmm. uh, she's kind of this like, uh, I don't know, more, more sort of inner city styled, I, I'm guessing, um, in terms of like clothes and hair and everything. So um, very much like a different uh, uh, whatever background from charlie who as we've seen so far yeah normie college girl uh, right <laughs> so yeah definitely that seems like that would make sense so kind of coming from different backgrounds yeah charlie is certainly not militant about this uh sort of issue um but yeah indigo really pushes it it's like all right you're with us or you're against us right you're you're going to do what i say or you're the enemy um charlie's just kind of like i gotta get them out of here because randy's gonna show up for our date and then they're gonna freak out even more so she kind of ushers them out with a like okay i promise i'll tell you later right um and you know this is it gets it gets more interesting from here um so yeah there's we get to cut to later uh randy's on her bed they're eating popcorn uh, they're just kind of sitting up watching um, Charlie's dropping hint after hint that Randy is utterly oblivious to. Um, and she's thinking, maybe it's just waiting for an obvious sign. I'm interested. Some guys are like that. So I probably was. Uh, she's like, here goes. And she's like, ahem, if in case you haven't noticed brown eyes, I really like you. I'm like, all right, that's pretty straightforward. She puts her hand on his chest. And then he's kind of taken aback, like, whoa. <laughs> it's like, uh, Charlie, like, what's wrong? antibodies giving you heartburn it's like and here's where it gets sloppy it's like look charlie well, everyone everyone at home listening sit down here some of this <laughs> is hard to uh, imagine but here we go you randy fans out there <laughs> so look i really like you too charlie but i don't think it's a wise idea if we we're to you know get involved it's, like, it's not why it's like well um for one thing you're 10 years younger than me and you're let's let me be honest with you, Charlie. Unfortunately and brutally honest. Um, this is There's nothing a guy hates more than a, a woman who's younger than him. Right. I would I would never marry a woman who's 10 years younger. <laughs> <laughs> says, I don't want to hurt you, but some but something developed between if something developed between us, I'm afraid that would happen. She's like, what do you mean? It's the, if it's that killer antibody you're worried about. It's like, no, it's not that at all, which would have been a perfectly reasonable out in this situation. It's like, it's that I'm liberal enough to be your friend, 
to date you, even to romance you, but I'd never be able to take a girl like you home to my folks. Okay. <laughs> Bad move, man. Uh, so, okay, that, that's enough to get anyone angry. And she's like, I see, you mean because I'm black. It's like, Look, well, it's not that I'm racist. It's that my parents are racist. Really? <laughs> that was your mm. go-to? Okay. And I love and respect their decisions. Boy, she's like, yeah, you mean because I'm black? And he says, well, yes, I don't have anything against black people, really. I just, well, I take relationships pretty seriously, and I can't see myself marrying someone who's black. Oh, Randy. <laughs> Jaws on the floor here. I'm sorry. It's, I guess it's my small town Midwestern upbringing. Uh, I don't think it would be fair to give in to my strong desire for you. If you didn't know <laughs> that all up front, just like, don't explain, just get out. I feel like that just makes it worse. Like I find you incredibly attractive, but because I really don't want to be with a black person, we can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's kind of, yeah, not helping himself. He's not. Uh, he's looking sad and he's ushered out the door. Um, as with a bit of bad timing, one of the antibodies springs through the floor, like through her bed and kind of pops into screen. Um, it's kind of like gesturing, like we're kind of wondering, is there something going on there? But I, I couldn't quite make out if there was some reason for it to be there. Um, but she just yeah, yells at it and chucks the popcorn at it. Um, so a little bit of a downer there you know she says i feel like a five foot pile of refried beans which is honestly a hilarious line it's like i gotta find someone to talk to or i'll go crazy um and so she's kind of going through a list of her dp7 buddies in her head and it goes to jeff but jeff's not there uh so he's probably off on his evening jog or playing ping pong with himself um so she goes into the stairwell you know going to walk somewhere else maybe go to go find Jeff, but she runs into our, you know, to be security guard dudes, uh, Rod and Art, the Tangler and Freefall, which is not going to make her day any better. Uh, so they're like catcalling her and like <laughs> on her sweet cheeks and talking how much they like her outfit. And thankfully, usually the, you know, misogynist jerk guys don't have paranormal powers in real life as they start like levitating her up in the air to like peek under her dress. Uh, <laughs> things aren't going particularly well. Um, but she's kind of had the last straw. She's like, All right, put me down, you sleazy buzzard. Uh, he's checking out her underpants. Um, so she sticks herself to the wall and then they're in the stairwell. So she makes the stairs slippery and they all go tumbling down, kind of hurting themselves, like hitting their head, you know. Um, and just as that happens, uh, Dave Landers, big old Mastodon, pops in and is like, Hey, what's all the racket? Um, and you know, the, the bullies are like, Nothing to concern you, Neanderthal. And Charlie's like, Uh, I don't want to say what's going on because you know. He's, this guy's Randy's best friend. So she says she's fine. She just jumped out of the way to avoid the clumsy idiots falling down the stairs. Uh, maybe not the most believable cover, uh, but she walks off and it's just not having a good day. She says, Twice I was the victim of inconsiderate pigs, white pigs. Ooh, ouch. He's like, To heck with Jeff. I don't really want to talk to that jivey goofball. 
it'll only make me madder than I am. The person I really want to talk to is Indigo. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Right to the hands of the Black Powers group. Oh, yeah. <sighs> so yeah, two two bad things in a row kind of drove her directly to the uh, you know perhaps problematic uh, black click. Um, but yeah, so we, we cut to the next morning, and you know five of our seven, uh, everybody but Stephanie and Charlie are all having breakfast together. I suppose just kind of chatting, seeing. Uh, wondering where she is she kind of walks up so charlie walks up to them says i got something i have to tell you people i'm dropping out of your therapy group so i can join another and jeff's like not indigo and her black power trippers those lamos gave me their rap last night and i was severely unimpressed she's like i don't give a flying fig what you or any of you think they're more my kind of people than you are i'm joining them and that's that everybody's kind of like what just happened there except for randy is just kind of looking sad like uh, i don't know <laughs> i don't probably didn't say anything racist to her on a date Certainly <laughs> uh, not me and my parents yeah uh, yeah so a lot going on we, we're getting ourselves uh set up for a, a, a racial kerfuffle here um but so we get another later that day, and here we get to see the Black Therapy group, I suppose. So we kind of get some new characters and kind of some interesting uh, little bits of information, too. So um, Indigo is kind of running her own group until they can appoint a Black therapist as part of the clinic. And she says their group is Indigo, Blind Spot, Chill, who we've met, Friction, who is Charlie, and Squirm who I'm assuming is the guy in green who we don't know what he does, really. Uh, yeah. Squirm, could you change your name to Green Squirm, maybe? That would be green helpful. Squirm. This <laughs> happens to be wearing green. Um, yeah, so Indigo is kind of like loud and domineering over the group to a degree, but they're kind of, they run down some interesting numbers. Uh, they say there's 29 paranormals at the clinic, seven black, 21 white, and one no one knows what he is. <laughs> so I'm really curious to find out who that is, uh, but I don't think we have any clue. I mean, yeah, the I don't think we've seen him yet, but it's a, um, I like that, well, you know, there's so much like gender identity stuff on now. It's like, it cracks me up that we don't know what race he is, but we know it's a guy. But anyway. <laughs> Okay. He identifies as a guy. Um, yeah. This. So I, I I tried figuring out the the demographics because I don't think we've seen it in the books themselves because you know it's still new and people aren't investigating it or quantifying it. But uh, I've heard. I remember something about like one in every two million people maybe mm -hmm. would be paranormals. And so 29 people suggest 15 million, which is, I'm trying to figure out because Wisconsin would have had like five or 6 million at the time. Um, and everyone, so we're assuming the clinic is kind of broader than that. And just sort of from, from the sort of style that uh, Indigo and maybe a couple of the other guys are, um, um, Presented as, or I'm thinking maybe like it expands into like Chicago, Illinois. Could be, you know? yeah. So if you get the sort of multi-state region and get most of the paranormals out of it, that would be 
like an, a reasonable number to be expected. Um, mm-hmm. So um, probably yeah. there'd be more centers like this around the country. They they kind of alluded to in earlier issues, but we don't really know what's going on with that. So um, yeah, so it's a it's a pretty good handful of paranormals. We only have the seven, a few from this other therapy group we played volleyball with before, and now the Black Powers. So that's about there's thirteen in this issue. Thirteen. There would be more if we counted the rest of the other volleyball playing therapy group, right? I guess there would be another five more if they're all groups of seven. So. It would be like 18 yeah. accounted for. Um, so like Maybe another the three hun- headhunters we had originally. Uh, I feel like they're like graduates or something though. Like not. You're Yeah. We haven't seen them in the hallway then. Yeah. That's, yeah. They would run there. into the Randy and them and be like, Hey, you're the guys who were trying to trank us all the time. <laughs> so, you're right. Okay. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. But so, you know, back to the therapy meeting slash mob um, segregation uh, uh <laughs> proposals here um, we want our own schools and our own buses um, drinking fountains <laughs> um, but yeah so so there's you know one of, of the seven black paranormals five have joined one has declined right that would be jeff and one we've been unable to contact so I'm, maybe we'll get them later there was there was a black guy in the background of last issue who was like a power lifting like really big heavy guy so maybe he'll show up later or, or maybe we'll forget about him but um it, it gets a little bit rougher so um so this would be blind spot you know he's got kind of like gold chains around his neck and kind of like one of those red leather jackets um like short hair and a mustache uh, he's like all we do is talk you know you know what you talk 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 all the time how about we go and do something about it um he says take this racism thing we could talk about it till we're all blue in the face and it'd still be out there waiting for us i say we get down to business and do something about it and so chill is darn straight bro uh so he says let's make ourselves a list of all the racists and then go out flex our muscles muscle some and show them we're not taking their shinola anymore shinola i don't know know that slang one i've heard it both ways it's uh I forget what it is. I th- like there, it was like a saying, like you don't know S H I T from uh, Shinola. Yeah. Don't know, don't know. Uh, but anyway, so who makes it on the list? So the the two guys from the hallway, the the two security guards, uh, Freefall and Tangler, makes sense. Uh, they've just been kind of hassling everybody. Uh, but then who else makes it on the list? Andy O'Brien. <laughs> oh. Yeah, uh, so that they're, they're like everyone has to add names. So yeah, the security guys that someone in, like had obviously said those guys are jerks right away. And so when we get around to Charlie, she's like, "Should I add Ren? You must have. You were pretty upset last night. Oh yeah, you're right. Someone was. His name is Randy O'Brien. He has the guy with the shadowy things. <laughs> she gives him right up. Okay. She does." <laughs> All right, so they have their agenda. Let's, she said, let's start spreading the word. You don't mess with the black powers. Um, and so the, the two that are less enthusiastic are Charlie 
friction and uh, squirm. Uh, we don't hear much from him, but he says, I'm not so sure I like the idea of starting trouble friction. And she says, me neither, squirm. Um, but anyway. I'm, I'm a little hard to tell the ages here if uh, squirm is like around her age. He's, yeah, she's he's shorter, but I don't, not necessarily younger. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to do age in comic art. Yeah, I mean, Indigo seems older, and kind of so do the other two guys. To me, that's just how I'm kind of guessing, though. I don't know. Yeah. Not like lots older, but... Like late 30s, and she's 40. 21, kind of. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so, yeah. so we cut to the... Just whatever. We cut to Tangler and Freefall, uh, Rod and Art, uh, who now do have their security guy uniforms, and so they're kind of uh, just walking around outside, uh, talking to each other. <laughs> One guy says, so I says to Gurley, once you've partied in zero G, you ain't going to want it any other way. Like, uh, she pretended to get all mad and flustered, but she liked it. They all do. So solidifying him as unlikable, I suppose. Um, no redeeming qualities. Justice is walking by and like, I see nothing but darkness here. <laughs> <laughs> Will somebody come and sweep up these piles of ash on the parking lot? <laughs> Look kind of <laughs> like our security guards. Um, yeah. So uh, throughout the issue, I'm 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 struggling with blind spot whether or not he turns invisible or teleports. Um, it's I couldn't quite figure out exactly what he's doing either. He sort of yeah. Um, honestly, it it it. Yeah. I don't have a good explanation for it, and it could go either way from from what I saw. Yeah, so. I mean, it, it doesn't doesn't affect the story, I suppose. But yeah, he he basically I'm... kind of pops in right on these guys and says, "Yo, dudes, I got a message for you. Mess with me, and as you did earlier today, and you're gonna have more trouble than you know what to do with. You dig? You dig? No, we jive turkeys. <laughs> oh, so that, these guys get like." Sort of southern racisty. <laughs> They're like, Artie, am I hearing things or was Mr. Peekaboo flapping his lips all disrespectful like? He's like, You think you're threatening, Bosco? You gonna blink out on me like this morning again? That was a real chicken lick thing to do, Nestle. He's <laughs> like calling them chocolate things. It's like, I mean, I guess they don't want to yeah. eat some nasty N words in a comic book, but. Not the X Men, yeah. Unless you're the X Men, um, they uh, they they called her Hershey in the stairwell. So yeah, yeah. it's their thing, I guess. Which yeah, yeah, um, I don't know. You get some boy and some uppity, and he actually kind of like a, a play on words uppity as he's like levitating, levitating him up in the air. It's like how uppity should I let him get? So they're they're being clever racist, <laughs> boy. Yeah, yeah. It's um, and then yeah, the the kind of confusing thing is, the other black powers sort of pop in. So like, blind spot has done something to bring them there, or at least, or to make them invisible up till now. Yeah, there's like these sort of shadowy halo or these white halo kind of things around sort of him and them. So yeah, it, it kind of looks like he teleported them in, but it's curious. Okay, so the rest of the Black Powers group, or the Black Click, have now teleported in. So now we have a full-on paranormal fight. And we haven't seen this in a while, and so this is kind this, of exciting. 
It's the race war you've been looking forward to. <laughs> oh, I know it gets better too, though. So <laughs> this is just the like the first shot fired in the race war, <laughs> trying to take down these <laughs> jerk racist security guards. Oh my gosh! So yeah, kind of like uh, you know, it's, it's almost Hackbarth level. Like uh, Gruenwald really gives his bad guys a lot of like, um, you know. Filled with put downs at uh, whoever they're mad at. So this um, whatever freefall is it? Yeah, um, both of them really. Yeah, both of them are filled with very creative, um, whatever zingers. Terms, zingers. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So yeah, they come the 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 Black Powers group kind of comes charging in. Uh, you get kind of Charlie in the back thinking like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? <laughs> not even if I'm not a fighter. Um, but uh, Indigo is running in. She's like, you know why I'm called Indigo racist? I'll show you. And she kind of dives at him. And um, <laughs> he, he comes back with, why don't I show you why I call you the black blimp? <laughs> so he's the gun with the levitation powers and she is a little bit overweight. So I guess it's hovering her into the sky. Um, so yeah, uh, Tangler kind of like wraps up, uh, Chill and Squirm, uh, Charlie's kind of like not really sure how to help, like her, she doesn't really want to attack them, but also her like slipperiness powers aren't working on like the energy wires. Uh, so she ends up just kind of sticking the two, uh, security guys down to the ground, which gives Indigo her opening to just kind of like slam them with her weird glowing power fist thing. Um, and honestly, I don't know why she's called Indigo. It's kind of like a purple uh, power bubble, I guess. Yeah, it's like a star sapphire or something, I guess. Yeah. You, I also thought it was very Green Lantern looking because you got like a sphere of power. Maybe it's glowing Indigo. And then it somehow extrudes fists or something when she's making gestures inside it. So, I, okay, I that doesn't really explain why we, we call you indigo. I don't know, but yeah, I guess I guess it must have to do with the color. But, um, but yeah, so they get kind of hammered, uh, and they're trying to get up, and he's like, "Get up, Roddy! Get up, or we're and oof!" And then basically the the three angriest of the black powers group kind of descend on them and just basically just pound them into paste <laughs> so yeah dog pile of, yeah um and they only stop as they get interrupted by one of randy's antibodies who kind of peeks out through and they notice that notice it watching there's like it saw us and when it returns to the host it'll show him what it saw and then we're all going to get in trouble we're gonna and they're like in school like we're gonna get in trouble <laughs> it's like well, O'Brien's that guy on the list. Let's go round him up. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, again, we get kind of, you know, we got three enthusiastic for violence. Charlie's like, what should we do? Should someone call the doctor? These, these guys look pretty bad. Like, uh, they're not good people, but um, also it's a little un it's a little rough to have them kind of beaten within an inch of their life, which is what it looks like here. And Squirm's kind of thinking the same thing. Those white men look beat up bad. I didn't touch them. I just watched it happen. So, um, but anyway, they're on the trail. So they break into Randy's room, and but he's not there. 
Um, Charlie tries to kind of talk them down a little bit. Like, um, he, he's not going to tell on us. He's no squealer. Um, his antibodies are he's really cool. Strong. He's cool. I don't, like, I don't think you, you don't want to have to fight. As a racist goes, he's pretty cool. I don't... <laughs> Having some second guesses. Um, oh, and uh, chill, chills, uh, uh, line there. Ha, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Nice. <laughs> Pop culture reference. Um, <laughs> so years before it was cool, I guess. <laughs> I feel like Ghostbusters yeah, was always yeah. cool until like they started remaking it, <laughs> or maybe until Ghostbusters three was it the really bad one? Um, was there? Mm. Was it just two that was bad? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, okay. that's a different podcast. Um, so quick, pretty quickly they find Randy. He's in the workout room, basically by himself, uh, doing leg lifts. And he had been uh, in a hospital bed for so long, so he's probably still trying to work himself back up. Um, they confront him. He's got no clue what's going on. Uh, they're like, "We're here to talk about talk with you about what your antibody saw." He's like, uh, "What do you mean? Which one? <laughs> like, what happened? It probably didn't make its way back to him. So I'm guessing he really doesn't know what's going on." Like, don't get cute with us, Buster Brown. We know how you work. <laughs> Charlie's kind of trying to hide in the background. And uh, Chill comes up behind him and puts his hand like right on Randy's neck. And he's got like ice touch. He's like, Does this hurt? I'm told my icy fingers burn. They're so darn cold. So it's like Randy's just kind of taking it. He's like, It's like, oh no, I just, but. Uh, one of his antibodies pops out anyway. He says, oh, no, I just thought about defending myself for an instant. Now one of my antibodies is coming out. He's like, I can't punch one of these guys. They'll think I'm more racist. I don't know. <laughs> but and Indigo's I, response here, too, is great. Look out. He's about to attack. He's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> like, I mean, really, the antibody did just kind of pop out to look um but that sets everything off so antibody does kind of like a flying jump kick and knocks chill out of the way right defending randy from getting frostbite attacked um and that's groucho apparently he's like groucho stop that um but that sets off the battle so indigo powers up her force fist thing and grabs one but just in time for the other three to go flying in. So we got kind of a nice scene where like one antibody is in the grasp of Indigo where, uh, and then uh, blind spots kind of looking back. is like, uh, Indy. And we see like three hands of like, like Superman flying uh, antibodies coming in. Um, so yeah, I guess we're on a full on fight. Um, notably all the antibodies are black fighting black people to defend a white guy. So colors something going on here i yeah it's a um antibodies don't see color just they see people threatening randy and <laughs> they act um so yeah they kind of fly in start taking people out uh we got a full-on battle here uh randy's just kind of standing back it's like i don't have any control over him i swear he's like get out of here all at once um but while they maybe look like some one of them listens and the other two don't which is kind of interesting so one flies away. The other two are watching as Chill like pops Randy in the face. Uh, so then they kind of grab the two guys to pull them out of the way. You know, it's just a full-on battle. Uh, antibodies flying through the walls. Uh, you know, blind spots kind of either invis turning invisible or teleporting away. I still can't figure it out. Uh, I'm going to guess teleport, but I don't know. 
Um, Charlie's just watching. Uh, Squirm is just watching. We still don't know what he does or what his paranormal ability is. And, you know, like she's just kind of paralyzed with indecision. Uh, she's angry at Randy, but he doesn't deserve to get beaten up. Like, you know, could I make everybody fall down? But then everybody's going to hate me. It's like, do I really owe Randy anything? Uh, she takes off, uh, goes out through the door and just kind of like crying and, you know, doesn't know what to do. Um, at this moment, the one antibody who had flown off, I apparently went and got Jeff, who can act pretty fast and comes in to kind of save the day a little bit. Um, says, Charlie, what's going on? This antibody showed me Randy getting creamed. So he kind of sees her doing nothing. Uh, he flies into the room. We get some like Batman style, like bam, biff, fuck, brack, quam, pow. So presuming a whole lot of fighting going on. Um, and that's the end of it. Um, so our last two panels are that evening where everybody's back in the lunchroom and Charlie's still sitting with the Black Powers group, which is only like 10, 15 feet away from everybody else. <laughs> um, so we get uh, a little bit from uh, Dave Mastodon saying that, you know, um, we heard those two guys were in intensive care. Uh, no one knows what happened to them. And there are no condition to tell anyone. The director talked to me about leaving sanitation and joining security. Uh, so, yeah, that would be a, an impressive security guard. His muscles can stop bullets. Um, said, hey, what's with you guys? Why is nobody talking? And then we get a, one last look of, uh, you know, kind of Randy looking across the lunchroom at Charlie. And, you know, they all kind of both kind of hang their heads in shame. <laughs> Neither one having done very well by by their friend there. Um, but I did miss in the in the panel where uh, Jeff had rushed in and we just we don't get to see the fight. Like someone calls him an Oreo as in like black <laughs> on the outside, white on the inside, which is funny. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. Ah, did, I, did I do that before? Um, yeah, yeah, that's the end. No, no hint towards next time. Just everybody's feeling a little bit worse about themselves. And and. And letters page, though. Well, let's see. Let's chew over the issue before we head into letters and new universe. Yeah, right on. <laughs> um, quite a uh, issue, and much like um, the Star Brand um, number ten we covered last week, is the sort of thing that I, the idea of it had stayed with me a long time, but not the specifics of it. So it was like. I know there's racial tension at some point, but how does that play out? Very <laughs> interesting uh, way, in fact. You sort of centering it on Charlie as opposed to Jeff and the um, romantic interest, which you could sort of read between the lines for quite a few issues here. Um, but yeah, Randy was not just like playing oblivious. He was completely oblivious. Yeah. Um, interesting uh, my sort of memory of it was that it was more that like it what you know he she wasn't his type or something more that like my parents wouldn't approve which is kind of what i what we pull out of uh the conversation um i don't know um it's the uh 80s you've actually got a pretty good um spot um for racial um 
pension you. Yeah. I mean, it's like less, it's ratcheted down from the seventies, I think. And so people are sort of more positive. You've got uh, the Cosby show and uh, Eddie Murphy and, you know, any number of, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, he, he's like the model for Jeff here and she's modeled on, um, oh, what's her name? Janet Jackson, supposedly. Mm-hmm. So you've got a um, not um, completely tense situation around them, but you can sort of see this uh, situation boiling up in this confined society of 29 paranormals plus whatever support staff. I don't know. Yeah, notably lacking support staff here. <laughs> I'm guessing security quit. Yeah, for all the talk of who's in charge last time, we get sort of suddenly that there's just, oh, you've been you've been uh, assigned to this detail or that detail. We don't know who's doing it, so it's a um, uh, could, I don't know, not a great idea having those two dudes be assigned as um, security. Whoever came up with that idea, um. Couldn't yeah. be, do any uh, worse, honestly. No, um, that would not help the clinic much at all. Yeah, it's an interesting setup because, you know, I think like to a degree, like Indigo in her initial rant, like is somewhat reasonable as like someone who feels like, you know, like an outsider or kind of like not respected. Uh, but then she pretty quickly goes to like, you know, angry and like you're with us or against us and, you know, <laughs> you know, you're either a racist or you're on my team kind of thing. Um, so then she's, so her and then the the two guys who are a little bit more violent, you know, aren't really, uh, um, you know, you don't, don't feel too good about what they're doing, but then also they're kind of squaring off against these uh, racist hick security dudes who you also don't really feel too terribly bad for. Uh, Randy, who's one of our main protagonists, uh you would be kind of on his side, but also he kind of made him had a bad look there too. Um, you know, talking about his family and how he would never want to marry a black woman kind of thing. Um, so I guess you feel for Charlie here as kind of caught in between um, kind of the main character here, uh, maybe the most uh, reasonable and relatable. He kind of can accept that she got upset and, you know, for very good reasons and was kind of drawn to, you know this group who then is maybe a little more violent than uh than she was hoping for yeah i mean she's uh like you say young younger and sort of more i don't know sheltered maybe than some of the other characters so uh sort of seeing the story through her eyes is uh she's pretty sympathetic and it's interesting how little she, it's like she kind of is going along and going along and things just kind of get worse and worse and yeah. it's like she has like not just like uh no good ideas she just has no idea like what to do to kind of unravel the situation as it sort of descends um yeah. that's very like relatable that. yeah, yeah i like that it's not like you know not acting perfect all the time and yeah the uh they're like the the black characters aren't just you know, assumed to be in the right because they're black. But, uh, and yeah, as you say, the initial, like, 
you know, maybe we, you know, there's no staff here that reflects us. And, you know, maybe we should have some, you know, chance to talk about our own issues and stuff. That's pretty understandable. Um, just to, some of it, though, kind of, you know, yeah, as you say, gets. Um, she's just pretty an, ang an angry person is, is pretty much what you read into. Um, yeah, an angry uh, person with power. <laughs> that's, yeah, the last thing you need. And uh, the the two, uh, Freefall and um, Tangler, I mean, yeah, they're just jerks to everyone. Randy's the first one who pops into them, and they are absolutely as bad to him as, as everyone else. Yeah. Um, so it kind of reminds me of a comedian who was saying, talking about his um, <clears throat> next-door neighbor who is a total jerk to him all the time and, you know, would always be yelling at him for doing nothing and picking, you know, problems with him all the time. And he's like, if I was black, you know, I would probably just assume this guy was a racist, but no, he's just a jerk. He's a jerk to everyone. And uh, that's kind of the, these, the characters we're seeing here. Um, Randy's a little, yeah, for like a main character, it's a little, you know, surprising to have that um, sort of um, attitude. But as he says, he takes relationships pretty seriously. Um, I don't know the the um, do have not seen a lot of the dating through the DP seven. Um, aside yeah. from Dave interested in uh, Stephanie, no one has kind of been flirting or. Um, well, Scuzz had that older him. woman that took care of him for a little bit. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That was also kind of doomed from the start. So, uh, so who knows what what. Um, that would have uh, led to if she was also but anyway um, yeah the Black Powers group is a seems like a logical development that is like you get um, the sort of random assortment of people together and they'll sort of um, bunch up by various commonalities and that's one um, yeah, and maybe this is one of the things that like Charn was keeping at bay. Like, even though he was awful, he was kind of manipulating everybody to get along and you know follow the rules and work for the clinic, right? Instead of you know that's a good point, each yeah. other. So yeah, there are kind of true personalities and problems are maybe coming out a little bit now that their overlords are dead. That is a good point um yeah getting back to the demographics you have like i said if you sort of extend it out and include like chicago maybe you've got like um this is about 25 percent black i think they're saying the clinic paranormal yeah it was almost exactly 25 so that's you know um across the country you know whatever you would have reflect national demographics um maybe um it kind of reminds me of like the, the old demonstration people always bring it. If the world was a village with only 100 people, you know, five of them would be this, but 20 of them would be that. And okay. I know how percentiles work. Okay, dude. Um, so now you've got a, a village of 29 people and they're whatever each of them is you know, sort of dragged out of a normal life and shoved together. So, Tensions can only get 
hotter, I think, if uh, they're all sort of feeling like they're closed in together. Yeah, yeah. There's, there, I know there's one more piece of this kind of race stuff that I remember, like some real clashes. But you know, in deference to people who are kind of reading along with us, I won't say much about it. But I remember there's there's more, and it gets pretty crazy. But I don't I mean, really remember the outcome. It's it's also kind of um, symptomatic of the time that like all race issues are, are black for, and white. You know what I mean? There's like right. uh, two major other races in America now. Um, anyway, there's a it's a lot of it's thought provoking, but it doesn't give you any easy answers. Um, there's people that are not nice but you know they're not 100% wrong um there's a couple of guys who are just 100% jerks apparently um yeah. you don't it's feel nice, too bad it's nice that it's telling a story it's not like hammering you with a message right yeah i don't feel like i'm being preached at it's like um yeah re you know people making various mistakes and uh hurt you know hurt feelings um some unintentional and some intentional and uh people making more mistakes as a result i don't know i like it a lot honestly I was it's quite surprised. good i thought it would be more cringe than it ended up being for me so you underestimated gruenwald so you want to give this thing a letter grade and then talk about the letters page uh i would mold it over for a while because i liked it more the more i thought about it um i will go ahead with a full a on this one yeah that's what i was thinking right it's a good palate cleanser from the, <laughs> the justice mess much as i've enjoyed uh, dp7 lately this one had a lot of like character moments and that i can uh respect and so I, I i liked it even more it gave me that sort of emotional uh connection that's uh rare even in dp7 so yeah it feels like a real step up and like also like just writing about race and racism you know like i'm impressed that they're like he wasn't kind of like afraid to go there to a degree right <laughs> you know so, like i said this the 80s we weren't that afraid of i guess stepping right? on toes i'm yeah, just know. thinking of it in uh, that modern lens <laughs> like, don't say anything yeah and i i also appreciate their creative racism so i i'll i'll note down some of these words if i ever get into a street fight i don't know <laughs> well if you get levitation powers you can borrow some of free falls zingers but until then you might have to twist them a little bit <laughs> Alrighty. I'd found maybe three interesting things of note in the letters page. There's a bunch of letters. Um, the majority of them are just kind of like praise and questions. You know, a lot of like simple questions, like when are we going to see such and such kind of thing. But is there anything in particular that stood out to you in the letters page before I spill? Uh, yeah, I got to admit, I mostly read the answers to the letters, so I'll sometimes miss stuff that are you know in the letters themselves i'll just kind of be looking for clues in in what the editorial is responding to so see i like so uh they mentioned 
Uh, somebody asked about crossovers with DP7, and the editor said Justice 15 uh, and Cyforce 16. So some of our next upcoming comics should have some DP7 guys in it. Oh, okay. A few of your favorite DPs show up, is what it said. Uh, another piece I thought was funny. Um, in the second editor answer, there t- somebody had asked about like a, an official handbook of the new universe, which we never got. Um, but uh, the editor says, as far as the handbook goes, what do what do the rest of you new unifiles think? <laughs> so it's a little twist on our new humaniacs. We got new unifiles. I don't know. Which oh would be man! Like better. How did I miss that? <laughs> new unifiles that's pretty good it's not bad is it better than you maniacs though um the original letter said new you may i've got new you mania <laughs> and we turned that <laughs> into new you maniacs <laughs> we can go back and forth we'll uh we'll alternate or something i don't know <laughs> okay. and, and the last thing i thought was interesting says uh in Previous letters, pages, I think, or or in just sort of fan theories, people imagine that the Beyonder from Secret Wars maybe created the new universe with the White Event or something. Is it as like unlimited, whatever it wants kind of powers kind of thing? Um, so the editor shoots that down and said, no way. Uh, but says, as a matter of fact, we're going to learn what the White Event really was this year. Keep reading Starbrand. That's where the ultimate origin of all things paranormal will be revealed by the end of 87 yet. Incidentally, pal, you're not the only one who came up with the Beyonder theory. Hmm. Finally, we're getting somewhere. (laughs) I guess. So they also mention in the Earl in the first uh, letter that um, the f- three paranormals we saw in Starbrand number three, Hysteria, Tantrum, and Scrunch would be appearing at some point after the DPs leave the clinic again. So yeah. possibly in the future. That How far are we like going? A, that seems like a maybe, though, to me. Like comics that have not been written yet. I'm kind of uh, cautiously optimistic because I don't remember them back in Starbrand, so I'm kind of hoping someone else runs into them. <laughs> I don't know. Scrunch. Scrunch. It can um, come with a tree. He's <laughs> not going to walk away from that. Wait, no, he did. Okay, never mind. <laughs> So yeah, we'll see what Starbrand, the ultimate origin of all things paranormal, will be. Um, and they, I, I did like that they apologize for only running positive letters, but they say that's all they got. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to um, imagine them lying about that. So, you know, maybe they, they did have an unusually positive mailbag over the last few issues. I mean, the book's been going great, so... Yeah, I have not. I don't remember any bad issues. So, all right. Unlike a certain title, uh, <laughs> you're only one of four left, Justice. You're going to have to, you know, keep up uh, your your pace there. Or, uh, <laughs> cut it to three in no time. Yeah. Um. So should we spare a minute before the universe news before we move on? 
Yeah, let's take a look over that. Uh, that's changed a bit this month. Like I said, the, um, you know, what's the little blurbs for the issues that are coming out this month aren't there. We do get covers. Yep. That's the checklist now is the uh, other co covers coming out this month. Yeah, and, but they're just this week's covers. And... Yeah, this week and last week. So, um, we have more hints of what's coming up with, um, how long can the new universe remain the world outside your window is the question of the month. And Mark Grunewald answers that, you know, the up until the white event, the new universe was the world outside your window. But since then, things have been more and more fantastic. And but they've been happening on a small enough scale. So the public at large hasn't been aware of them. Midway through year two, however, something will happen which will rival the white event in magnitude and will make the universe public painfully aware of all things paranormal. And after that, won't be your win world outside your window anymore. And we get a blurb of also the editors and some writers heading up to the estate of John Byrne for a big meeting, something, something, hmm. obscure the rest of it. So like the new white event is going to be like happening in the background of a couple of books and then they won't really ever mention it again. Like that much, the same impact as the original white event. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Half the books will ignore it. The other half will claim there's no connection. Um, <laughs> yeah, we also got a profile on Joanne Spaldo, which has like a cover sketch, a sketch of her face. Um, curiously enough, her oddest job ever held was working as an operator for a telephone fantasy service. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, popular back then. Yeah, I had read a story trying to figure out who she was. Had read a story about how her editor was always driven crazy by how many guys from Marvel would come in and like flirt with her during the day, and you'd always have to send them packing. Uh, and so I forget he had some line like like back to work, Joanne. Like if we said that, then the the guy would usually scatter, and then like ten minutes later, another guy would come in and start chatting with her. <laughs> Um, but I guess he had to say that so many times that been, at some point uh, people made a copy of like a drawing of him saying back to work, Joanne, and like wallpapered his office with it, like top to bottom. So fun little anecdote. Uh, I found that. Yeah, uh, that's Carl Potts, who okay, uh, good. Was either her previous or I think she she'd worked with him before and now she's working for uh, Mackie. Mm. A lot so, of thirsty men at the Marvel office at the time. <laughs> well, I mean, the uh, demographics of the Marvel office have changed over the years, I guess. At the time, I'm sure it was heavily male and, uh, you know, kind of a boys club. But there's, you know, uh, some editors and writers there. Uh, Louise Simonson, Ann Nascenti, uh, Joe jo jo Duffy. So yeah. it's not like... Yeah, but she's, um, I can only uh, assume, a very attractive young woman at the time. Um, the caricature of her is pretty cute, so sure, you know. Um, she's got a star brand earring on her drawing. <laughs> yeah, the only other thing is, like, they made kind of a deal about, so they're going to put, like, class. You know, we have a newspaper clipping 
and they're going to put like clippings as in like this is something that was published in the new universe this is from parapsychology today <laughs> um honestly i didn't see anything terribly interesting in there it was like people classifieds have you seen ufos we're researching ghosts we're looking for paranormal or uh, there's like an ad for the clinic kind of thing um there's one name that was uh researching poltergeists uh documentation send to arlen feitler and it's got an address so like i've written i've written that name down to see if that shows up later on or something maybe mm. i'm hoping they're dropping cl clues but it doesn't really look like much to be perfectly honest yeah i mean the clinic there's a couple of ads for the clinic that we kind of saw in when the series started uh, I tried looking up like the uh, some of the numbers of area codes and they don't really go to like Pittsburgh or something. So right. I'm not quite sure what what's going on with the occultist or the UFOs or um, so we'll see. Um, I'm, it would be cool if a couple of them pop up later um, beyond the clinic. And it's the sort of thing I actually quite like is that sort of in universe, uh, you know, writing or, or fiction. So um sort of like if you travel to another country and you're like ooh the the newspaper here is so fascinating you know mm, right gives you a little bit of world building right right so i like that um so we'll see where it goes from here um so i'd say we should probably wrap it up yeah i don't think we got um let me say the um they didn't say anything about a crossover in the next issue in this one um, but Cyforce had definitely said that they were going to have something coming up with DP7. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so so next time we change things up a little bit, right? And uh, so next week's or our next uh, next podcast episode will be Cyforce 15 and DP7 15. Because uh, we're pretty sure Cyforce... Uh, has some DPs in it, but we're not so sure if DP7 has some Cyforce in it. But So we thought this would be good to put together and then hit up uh, Justice by itself Yeah, um, the week after. Something so. big's going on in both, perhaps. Uh, but yeah, so Cyforce 15, our solicit is, where do you go if you're a paranormal and you can't control your powers? If you're Michael Crawley, you go to the clinic. But as DP7 knows, the clinic is the last place you'd ever want to go. Ah, written by Denny Fingeroff. Uh, but is he going I, to the clinic that we know or a new clinic? That's the question. There could, yeah, there could be other clinics too. Um, you definitely don't go to get a bitten by a rattlesnake. <laughs> um, DP715, things have gotten pretty quiet around the clinic lately. And that's the problem. DP7's Twilight cannot, does not want to control her tranquilizing power, a.k.a. Lenore. But the more people who succumb to her power, the greater becomes her, quote, hunger. That's the title. Written by Mark mm -hmm. Grunewald, penciled by Paul Ryan, inked by Danny Bulanati. So a, a Lenore-centric issue. It's a year and a half later. <laughs> hey, the time was finally right. We did have that one where she was like taking out the police responding to like Chuck's house or something, right? So that's true. Yeah, she was grandma. I forget. <laughs> uh, but yes, so 
Thus ends our episode today. Uh, check out our website, kickersinc.com. Send us an email, newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, this has been the voice of the new universe, and we'll see you back at the spinner rack. Don't throw away the duck. <laughs> it's your universe, idiot. Ha, <laughs>